Hello, you're listening to Texas BioBytes from Texas Biomed. I'm your host, Wendy Rigby. Scientists at Texas Biomed are working with other experts around the country to develop a new way to detect the Zika virus. This experimental technology will help guide clinicians in their treatment of patients with the disease. Using a process called optofluidics, the test will also help pinpoint the stage of the disease. Uh, my name is Jean Patterson. Uh, I'm a professor uh, at Texas Biomedical Research Institute. What do you do here? I study viruses. I study emerging and re-emerging viruses. We've done a lot of work on Ebola virus, Marburg virus, and we've become very involved recently in Zika virus. So Zika virus just came into the headlines recently. Not that much is known about it. Why is there a need for a new diagnostic test? Well, we we knew about it. We've known about it since the 60s, but it had never been shown to be a serious disease effect before. And after it emerged in Brazil, particularly northeast Brazil, we saw a huge increase in microcephaly in newborns. It was then determined that the Zika outbreak that was occurring was responsible for these birth defects. And so while many people knew of the virus, no one had studied it very extensively because it wasn't a disease producer. Why is there a need for a new diagnostic for Zika? I think all viruses need better diagnostics. What this technology will do will tell, tell us, first of all, have you already been infected? So do you have antibodies? So you wouldn't be at risk for a new infection. Where you are in your infection. We know that many, many antivirals only work very early in infection and that they're not very effective later in infection. This particular diagnostic test would tell us, are you still in the virus RNA replicating stage or have you started to produce viral particles? And have you also then started to produce antibodies? So it gives us an idea of what kind of therapies might be more effective because we know where you are in the life cycle of the virus. So right now, are any antiviral therapies used for Zika? I think there are some that are being developed. I mean, we have a, a library of antivirals that we've used for other viruses and perhaps some of them will be shown to be effective against Zika. The, the problem though is whether or not you could use these particular compounds in a pregnant woman. And this will always be the most serious discussion you have is whether or not the, the, the benefit is greater than, than possible harmful effects. So what we would like to do is find an antiviral that's safe in pregnancy. Who's involved in this collaboration? Um, it's myself and my laboratory and Holger Schmidt, who's a professor of electrical engineering at the University of California, Santa Cruz. I talked by telephone with one of Dr. Patterson's collaborators from the University of California, Santa Cruz, a scientist who develops optical devices for biomedical detection. Uh, my name is Holger Schmidt, and I'm professor of electrical and computer engineering. What are optofluidics? Optofluidics is a combination of two areas. One is microfluidics. This is basically describing how you can process small amounts of liquids, for example, biological samples on a small chip for detection purposes, medical analysis, chemical analysis, using microchannels. And the second part is the opto part, which is to bring in the things that we know from integrated optics and photonics so, for example, fiber optics and laser devices that are more used in telecommunications and other applications like that without any liquid. But in optofluidics, the two are combined in the sense that you're bringing the optical elements onto the same chip as the microfluidic sample handling. No amplification required. Dr. Patterson says it's like a lab on a chip. 
It is a lab on a chip, yes. And it includes the optical part as opposed to just sort of the, uh, you know, the plumbing. How are the Texas Biomed scientists and the non-human primates here helping in your endeavor? Well, they're helping greatly by providing us with uh, relevant samples for applications where this kind of simplification would really be needed. And Dr. Schmidt says this technology might also have other applications in areas like food safety and water quality monitoring. Texas Biomed's Dr. Patterson explains how this new diagnostic would be an important alternative to current methods of detection. It allows you to detect uh, molecules in very small amounts without actually replicating it. And that's why uh, PCR, which we polymerase chain reaction, we take a small amount of material, but we enhance it and, and amplify it. This thing doesn't require any amplification. So the steps to do it are very simple and can be easily put on a simple chip. It could be done in the field. Point of care, yes. It could be done in the field. It could be done in a hospital. It could be done a point of care. And that's very important that you have easy access to it. Would it be cheaper and faster? Absolutely. Is the idea to find this test and then a biotech firm would commercialize it? Right now, all we can do is make prototypes and try to prove that they're effective and worth their value. And then to be commercialized and go on into develop business prospects. So what is Texas Biomed's role in the development of this new diagnostic? Well, we provide the knowledge about the viruses. We know about viruses. We, I mean, I, was, I, I had alerted Holger to the Zika outbreak before most people would have known about it, and he relies on us to tell us which viruses we believe will be problematic in the future. Um, we know that there's some emerging um, floppy viruses now in, in the heartland of the U.S., and so we alert him to that, and we provide him with the viral material that he can test. Are the animals at the Southwest National Primate Research Center involved in this? Absolutely, because one of the things that he wants to be able to do is to take different bodily fluids and use them like you would want to in a, in a human infection. So we can provide blood from an infected animal, we can provide urine from an infected animal, we can provide semen from an infected animal. And these are the things that clinicians would want to be able to use when they're looking at human cases. What is it about the Zika virus that makes it challenging to study? I think, first of all, that it was sexually transmitted makes it a very interesting arbovirus. We've never seen this particular phenomenon before. It gives us a lot of ways to study it that you couldn't study because we know that if someone isn't in an outbreak area but they have an infection, then we can look at ways they might have been transmitted, and that's how it was determined that it was sexually transmitted. But it's like any other emerging disease. It has partners like other similar viruses like dengue is very similar to Zika. West Nile is similar to Zika. But all viruses have something unique about them. The more you study them, the more you realize why they have a lot of things that are the same. They pretty much attack the cells and cause disease. But there's always some little trick that each virus has. And this one seems to be how it's able to transmit sexually. And also be passed from mother to unborn child. And, and in fact, how it is passed from mother to unborn child, and more effectively, why the mother appears to clear the virus. She no longer has active viral replication, but the fetus still does. If you no longer have active viral replication, can you get Zika again? No, because it, it does appear to give lifelong immunity, which is an important aspect to it, which means that if we do develop a vaccine, it would, would be given early to children so that they don't reach childbearing years. I think for us in South Texas, where cases of Zika have been documented, it's a little bit creepy to think about mosquitoes being the vector and carrying all these viruses. What are the best ways we can protect ourselves? 
Well, it's never a good idea to be bit by a mosquito, um, just in general. Um, there are other diseases like West Nile, like dengue, that you could also acquire. Also, worse, keep mosquito repellent, um, clothing that protects you. And if you're pregnant, you have to be very extra careful not to be exposed to mosquitoes. Um, it was in the headlines more recently and has kind of gotten out of the headlines. Do you think people get complacent then about mosquito protection? Absolutely. But there'll be another one emerge, I'm sure. There always is. I mean, we saw West Nile emerge in the U.S. from the Middle East. We saw dengues moving in from South America and, and Southeast Asia. And we saw Zika came from Africa originally. So there's always going to be something that you should be conscious of that, that could emerge. And again, it's, there's no real good reason to be bit by a mosquito. been listening to Texas Biobites from Texas Biomed. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe. You can find us on many platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, and Android, or log on to our website, txbiomed.org. Type podcast into the search bar, and you'll be taken to a page where you can sign up for the podcast by email. Then it will show up in your inbox every two weeks. At Texas Biomed, we love sharing our science. Thanks for listening. I'm Wendy Rigby.